1 Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Recovery. I'm Sarah Heath, and my co-host is Justin Gentry. Recovery is a podcast for people who have left ministry, have thought about leaving ministry. Maybe we're a super volunteer. Maybe uh, that's not it at all. Maybe you're just transitioning in whatever career it is that you do that a lot of people think is good. And sure, it's got some great points, but you're ready for a switch. Anyway, Recovery is about all the things that we need to recover from. Today we have a very, uh, I think, fun conversation with Simon Nixon. He is a former clergy from Australia, and now he works at a very unique position and with a underserved population. I can say this conversation is one that uh, really feels relatable. It's about using your skills in a way that you have never thought about using them before, and kind of the ways that we as uh, former clergy or former super volunteers can find our new sort of niche in the world. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation. I know that Justin and I sure did. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Recovery. I am one of your hosts, Sarah, and this is my co-host. Justin Gentry. <laughs> I was ready. Were you? <laughs> Justin, um... Also, I right before we- I said it the second I heard it. I mean, I think the internet there's a delay, but I, the second I heard you introduce me, I, I was out the gate. Cool, ready. <laughs> what was funny is right before we started recording, I said we we always count we leave space for our, our amazing editor to be able to like hear our rooms, and I said without explaining that to our guest Simon, who you guys are going to meet in a second, I just said. Uh, hold on, we leave 10 seconds so she can read the room. Who's she and why is she reading the room? Is this the Holy Spirit? What is happening? Yeah. <laughs> and earlier we were just... And we just need space for for her. That makes space for her, the divine her. <laughs> just making space. Oh my gosh. Okay, Simon, we are so excited to have you on the show. Clearly we're flawless. Clearly we are ready to go all the time. Will you introduce yourself? And, it, and the question we always ask is... How long were you in and what were you in for? Yeah, sure. Firstly, it's great to see the magic happen from behind the scenes now. <laughs> it's flawless, isn't it? Yeah. Um, now, my name's Simon Nixon. I am in Australia. I think I might be your first like non-Canadian international guest. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah, we have lots yeah. of... No. Yeah. Mm, yes. Well, now we're thinking. <laughs> well, if we had a fact checker, they would go check that. Oh, look, I... Yes. Someone maybe. on the internet will do that. We'll have, That's someone on yeah. Discord or the internet will fact check us. Yes. I can I can trust in that. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you uh in the middle of your day, in the middle of our evenings. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh so I was in for I've been trying to work this this out in my head, and I'm gonna go with twenty one years. Wow. 
Wow. I started out in Christian camping in 1999. So that was, that's definitely full-time, more than way, way more than full-time ministry. From there, I got into youth ministry and then uh, I did that for 15 years. And associate pastor, and finally, finally, I was a senior pastor. Ooh. And uh, I um, exited from that space about three years ago. And actually, now I still like run a very tiny church in my lounge room, which is actually just mostly got us going to a cafe and having a coffee on Sunday mornings. And that's really all we Fair. do. So if that's still full time ministry, then it's a little bit longer. Than that. <laughs> If you can count that part, <laughs> yeah. coffee ministry, coffee lounge That's all it is. Yes. ministry. I love it. I love it. It's interesting. A lot of people start, I started out in camping. Justin, did you start out in camping? I, I did. I did the camping. <laughs> I did quite a few youth camps in my day. Yeah. Did you camp as a kid and then go into youth ministry? Because that's the gateway. See, well, see, actually, I did not do as much camping as a kid, but in college, I was hired by the admissions department of my conservative evangelical school to be a part of a team that went to camps. Oh, basically like, hey, I'm a cool college student. You should come to my college. Oh, you're like that, like the, the hunky sales guy. Yeah, hunky sales guy for sure. So for like eight or nine weeks, they gave us like a 15 passenger van. Yeah of like stack of map quest instructions and a credit card and we're like don't fall in love with your co people that was always a rule yeah i, I tried not to unsuccessfully <laughs> oh man <laughs> that's like whenever the my mormon uh gay friends will be like yeah and then i figured out on my on my trip that i was gay because i was with dudes all the time or i was with you know people of the same gender and it just worked out that way yeah, so you started out in camping, Sam, and you were obviously very young because you still look very young to have done ministry that, for twenty that's years. That's very kind of you. And you just went, sh- <laughs> you just went straight through. Straight through, yeah. I um, I I was the kid that didn't go to camp, but I did work. Ex- I don't know if you do work experience there. We do work experience in high school, so you go and find a place where you would like to work, and they they just bring you in for a week and you learn what to do in like when you're fifteen, sixteen. Hmm. And I just went to a camp because that sounded like fun. And I wish they did that. We didn't do that yeah. where I grew up in and Mississippi. We, I just didn't, I didn't leave. I stayed at the campsite basically every three minutes until they gave me a job two years later. <laughs> uh, nice. so, so right out of high school. So pretty much. I worked in a fruit juice factory for a little while, packing boxes. But as soon as they gave me a job, I was there. Um, so straight into ministry, pretty much straight out of high school. Did you do any sort of post-high school work? like college work around it or just straight into ministry? Straight into ministry. Well, my, my jump into like pastoral ministry was a little bit like crazy because I, I was in camping for three, four years and then I left and I didn't know what to do with myself at that time. And I'd moved to where the camp was. So I'd moved away from home, away from family, all that sort of stuff. And I'd started going to a church there and there's a youth pastor that had just come on and he was looking for youth interns. And so I said, oh, I don't know what to do with my life. I might jump in and become a youth intern for a little while. So, you know, the classic $400 a month to work <laughs> 60 hours a week. Mm-hmm. We're not laughing and, at you. We're laughing with you. Oh, yeah, we know. <laughs> I, I was an intern after college for sure for yeah, yeah $100 yeah. a week. I as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
And we'll we'll pay for your not really registered college subjects that you'll do. I don't know if you've heard of Planet Shakers um, over there. They're like... I mean, we call them earthquake or earthquakes, <laughs> no? <laughs> Just kidding. No, they're, they're like... They're, if you, like if you're ranking Australian evangelical groups, Planet Shakers comes right under Hillsong um, hmm. for us oh. here. So they're like... Mini Hillsong doesn't sound quite right, but it's probably more punky like a more punk vibe to it than mm. Hillsong maybe. So I didn't go to Hillsong College. I went to Planet Shakers Bible College because it was a little bit more rebellious, I think. I mean, at least you don't have a documentary to explain whenever you show your you resume know, now. I mean, you dodged <laughs> a bullet there, I'd say. Well, <laughs> yeah. later, later on, I did get like a, a degree from Alpha Crucius, which is the Hillsong Bible College, just not called Hillsong. So <laughs> oh, good. I tried to dodge it. <laughs> At least it's not called the Carl Lentz Bible no, College. No, no, I'm not that far. Carl Lentz Memorial Bible College. He's, <laughs> he's not he's dead. Back, guys. Oh, he is. I think he's doing like a reunion tour. I think he's back. <laughs> I think him and I think he's he's back. Hmm. That's I don't know. I don't follow the evangelical news, but so yeah. So you went to. They provided you with schooling. Do you feel like this is a question I've wanted to ask people who do those colleges? Because I I was tempted, right? I was like, oh, I could go to one of those Bible colleges in Australia, which by the way, to us, Australia sounds like such a cool place to go, right? Mm -hmm. So cool. Except for all the things that are trying to kill you in Australia, from spiders to just beasts. There are lots of beasts trying to kill you. But I, and now I think back, like, is it really sort of this thing that gets you stuck in the system, right? Because the education you have is from there. It's all internal. And so you're almost stuck there was that sort of how you felt as you were in it yeah well certainly those kind of colleges they're selling their like what they do so it's not like there there was certainly and planet shakers only did about a third of it before everything fell apart <laughs> but they they were giving you theology some theology but really it was come and learn how we do things because how we do things is successful and mm. if you do things how we do things, you've, you're going to be fine. Uh, so that that's really... Multi-level marketing yeah, ministry. Pretty much. Mm -hmm. yeah. An MLMM. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. wow. You said they all fall apart. So did I don't know the history of Planet Shakers, oh, obviously. Well, no, not Planet Shakers, just my experience. <laughs> ah, got it. So I, was, I wasn't on site. I was... I was working with a youth pastor, so there was me and a few other interns, and, he, and we were doing the course via the internet with the youth pastor. And then I'd been doing that for about a year, and the youth pastor in the church I was part of then started getting a little itchy feet about being part of the church, didn't really um, get along too well with the senior pastor um, at the time, and yeah, I was part of a... Yeah. Time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was part of um, the Uniting Church. church planting. <laughs> well, we'll get there we'll get there um <laughs> i was part of the uniting church at the time and the uniting church is actually um the most liberal church in australia yeah. so they at the time were talking about um same-sex marriage and obviously my very evangelical uniting church was falling on the no side of that and so we were at a youth pastor that wasn't too keen on the senior pastor and things weren't going well there and then at the same time, he was trying to figure out where do we go? Are we going to stick with the Uniting Church because they're going to let uh, gay people become ministers, all this sort of stuff? Yeah. And um, we, we got to a point where 
there's a lot of discussion. What are we going to do? And all this sort of culminated on a missions trip. So we went to Thailand for three weeks on mission. Um, we don't have anywhere close like Mexico down here. So we have to do the 10-hour trip to Southeast Asia to do mission. And I, I remember the um, youth pastor, he was testing me out to see whether or not I was on his side or the senior pastor's side. During and the trip? So, during the trip. So he would oh, wow. put me, he'd pair me up with people that were very loyal to him all the way through. And he'd put me on jobs with those people. And on, on those jobs, they would start asking me questions. And I could kind of get that sense, you know, when you're like being manipulated mm-hmm. a little bit or being led to a, a place. And sure enough, as soon as the plane touched back down in Australia after the mission trip, he uh, decided to split. And he took about two thirds of the youth ministry with him Whoa. when he left. And so I was left there because I was obviously seen as not compliant enough, I think. To uh, join you, the, you, you the didn't split. make it. You didn't pass the exam. I didn't pass the exam. No, I wasn't loyal enough, and so I kind of got left. And the church didn't have a youth pastor, but at the same time, the youth pastor and the other intern made a complaint against our senior pastor, and uh, the senior pastor was sort of stood aside. And so our church went from growing church with uh, two full-time pastors to a church with no pastors. So the youth pastor, as he left made a claim a towards the senior yeah mm. against the senior pastor and so the senior pastor was stood aside for 18 months and here i was little 23 year old youth intern that is the most myself. polite way of saying they asked him to step down he was oh. aside well, no he <laughs> so wasn't nice. they didn't ask him to step down it was oh he's on suspension um, he was suspended yeah and while they were mm. trying to figure out whether there was anything to the complaint and that took 18 months because yeah, 18 you know how, months. You know how quick churches work with things. Mm-hmm. Jesus. I, Jesus. <laughs> and you were 23. I was 23. Yeah. So. And playing the Game of, of Thrones early. Yeah. Um, really early on. So I stuck around and became like the pseudo youth pastor. Still being paid my intern salary. Stop it. Oh, well, of course. I mean, they're because they're, yep. they're still paying the senior pastor for 18 months yep. to do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> So I did 18 months of uh, work on the intern salary, basically as the youth pastor, but oh also sharing some of the senior pastor's responsibilities as well. And he, oh, the wild so. thing is, it's like people listening to this that have not been in ministry before, are like, how would you ever do that? But it's like, I, mm. I get it. Because you're like, and the other people are like, yeah, that sounds about right. That yeah, sounds about right. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and you go along with it because you're like, this, this is the Lord. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, there's this, so it's, yeah. I I was like my, my internship, which was again, like hundred bucks a month or hundred bucks a week. I was Mm. kind of fighting to stay. I was like, Mm. why? (laughs) Like I was reluctant to leave that position for, for like a job that paid me like $29,000 a year. So it was, it was an upgrade, but not, not much. I got in trouble at my internship for wearing spaghetti straps. Like it became a thing. I got called in and I <laughs> <laughs> I think about that now. The amount of shame I carried around for being a spaghetti strap wearer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, guys, I honestly felt terrible about it. Like, oh my gosh, I could be leading these youth astray. Yeah. No. Look at you now. Look at me now. <laughs> Just... <laughs> mm-hmm. 
wearing spaghetti straps, <laughs> causing people to stumble. Yeah, I think it is this, uh, it's this interesting thing where it's almost like a, the what is the saying? The frog in the kettle, not in a kettle, mm, in a pot. In a pot. And they just slowly turn up the heat. Yeah, yeah. or lobster or yeah. whatever it is. Lobster, <laughs> I don't know, other items that shouldn't be in a pot. I mean, lobsters, I guess, are in pots, but it's traumatic for me to think about that. But yeah, the idea of like, you're just there. And slowly but slowly, new. Oh, you could do this. Yeah. Oh, you could also do this. Yeah. And at first, you're kind of, I don't know if you guys feel like, I felt a little bit like, oh, I'm special. Like, you could lead the group, Sarah. Th- you're really helping us out. And then mm. later, you realize, like, wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. That wasn't a, that wasn't a bonus for me. That was extra work that I wasn't being paid for. So after 18 months, what was the verdict? Yeah. Had so he, he came gone back. Astray? He came back oh. um, after that, and they gave me a job, uh, finally, a proper full-time job. Wow. And so, yeah, it, it was certainly a little bit of like, I'm sticking around because I love these people. And to be honest, the youth pastor had come in and kind of taken over what a few of us had built before that. So we'd built a youth group from, I think we had six kids to like hundred, like 100 kids. And then the youth, they're like, oh, we need a youth pastor. So they brought the youth pastor in. And so it was really like, it was ours. We were, we were holding it all of that time. And they were people we cared about deeply. And so, you know, it, feel, it felt right in some ways. And when you're 23, you don't, you're not thinking about the future. <laughs> you're not thinking about how much money am I going to have to retire on at the end of all of this? Am I going to be able to buy a house? All that sort of stuff. You know, you're just doing life. You're, you're doing it doing everything you can to make it work that's sort of the life about I was the kids. yeah you care about the kids mm-hmm. definitely and they're like I, i'd loved youth work uh, at that point you couldn't pay me to do youth work anymore <laughs> we were talking before you got on just said he's also a dad of three mm, three kids i so, love them yeah you couldn't pay me to do that either <laughs> no you couldn't pay me to be a dad three, three other people's kids no Oh no, they're my children. Yeah. They, they are mine. Well, yes. I'm just saying, like, yeah, I, I will. My three kids, great. Another group mm. of three kids, uh, no thanks. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, so I stuck around and and ended up taking on the job, and I was a youth pastor for 15 years, which is a long time to be a youth pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Very I think the average so. is three. Yeah, yeah. So, and I, I'm I have a bit of a I'll just stick around sort of nature about me, so. I'll just stick with it and I'll stick with it, which might you could probably tell from sticking around 18 months without a pastor or a senior pastor or anything like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll you've just got stick some to things. loyalty. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, I loved the work at the time and my, I, I got married early on in the piece there and my wife and I really found that as like, that was our community and mm. we put everything we could into that place. She, she was the uh, worship leader. And so we engaged really like heavily. That was our space for all of that time. So 15 years we were there. Um, About five years into that, the senior pastor did actually get asked um, to to step back. Yeah, so he kind of came back, but he was never really back after that. And uh, we didn't have a senior, we didn't have a senior pastor. So I don't know how like calling a a minister works or calling a pastor works where, where you are, but in the church we did, we were at, you're not allowed to call a pastor until a pastor has moved on. And in oh. order to do that, you've got to build your committees 
and go through. And so, and they'll, if you, once you've got a committee, they'll send you three candidates and you can interview the three candidates. And if three candidates work out, one of them works out, then you can hire them. And if they don't, then you get another three candidates. That is similar to, I grew up in the United Church of Canada. So that's similar to that. United yeah. Methodist Church is... Yeah, Methodism uh, is probably the key. It's different. Yeah. Our bishop moves you. We don't have mm. the... You don't get the option. So what you're talking about is a blend, right? Yeah. Where yeah. you're given three options, and yeah. then if you can reject them, though. Mm. It's but like the whole beauty enough, pageant thing. On... Where you're... Sorry, what was yeah. it? Do you have like all three at once? Like it's all like a beauty pageant kind of deal? Oh, yeah, yeah. You interview them, bring them in. Mm-hmm. You can... Yeah. <laughs> Are they in Swimsuit? the same room? No, they're not in the same room. Okay. <laughs> You had me going. I, I believed you. I was, <laughs> like, I was in an, terrible. I was in an interview process where they brought me in one week and they brought in the next, the guy the next week to like preach in front of the church. And they did this like whole thing. And I was like, yeah, this is like a little beauty pageant we're doing where yeah. I got to impress <laughs> them. And the next, yeah. Then they're like, yep, this is our process. It's very, it sounds very similar except they did, they did two mm. instead of three, but like, yeah, our process yeah. is to narrow it down to two and then bring them in for a whole like basically day long interview. So we, we, we were in that space for two years. Um, <laughs> you guys kept saying no. <laughs> uh, well, it took a long time for it all to, to happen. Nothing happened fast. So there was some, we said no to um, until they got to the person they, they decided on. So I kind of took the, all the jobs again. How big was the church? So we had about 300 people at that time. Um, Oof, that's a busy so church. It's a busy church. We had a children's pastor on at the same time and a seniors pastor as well. So I remember I counted one year, one of those years, I preached around about 120 times in the year between youth ministry and the three services we were doing on Oof. Sunday. So I'm not great um, at math, but that's more than once a week. <laughs> it's more than once <laughs> a week. So that was just my life for two years, basically, was preaching and, and making sure meetings happened. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so I was probably heading towards significant burnout by that point. Yeah. But without really recognizing that that's what I was heading towards. So when the new pastor came in, I was quite, yeah, I, I was probably pretty burnt, burnt out and I probably wasn't ready to go again with a new vision and a new pastor and all the things that come along with, with all of that. But we tried really hard for five or six years to kind of get, get on board with it. But I probably could sense that I was declining just in terms of my ability to keep up with everything that was going on. And yeah, we kind of hit a point where we worked out that things weren't going the way we would hope, like across the board in our church, we weren't going the way we hoped. So we brought in um, a someone to come in and talk with us and interview us and uh, do some consulting um, to see what's the right way to go. And he came in and did all the interviews and did all these meetings and all that. And at the end of it, he came up, came to me and met with me, said, Simon, you've been here for 15 years. It's time for you to move on. If this church is going to keep growing, you need to, to step back. Um, Whoa. Yeah. What did that feel like? Yeah. Well, there was two things going on. One was I could sense that things weren't working out the way I'd hoped and was probably hoping for some sort of exit strategy. Mm-hmm. But then the other part of it was, yeah, I'd been there for 15 years. This was the community of people that we loved and we'd cared for and we'd sewn into all that time. I'm using very Christian. I haven't been to a church, like, in a church for five years almost, and I'm using very Christian <laughs> language. <laughs> it's okay. You're like, I've just <laughs> fallen back into it. Yeah, just go straight back into it. Yeah, there, we 
that was our home basically and they were mm-hmm. our people and so well, especially your wife is leading yeah. worship so yeah she's in the on quote unquote the platform yeah all the time you're yeah. preaching you're on the platform this is yeah. this isn't just like yeah it's, again it's not like having a job these are the people that you it is a job mm-hmm. but you, these are the people that you are okay here i go guys doing life with <laughs> you know these are the All people right. that are i'm gonna stop uh, you for a second i yeah, happen to like that phrase still <laughs> i'm just gonna say it i know I, I like that phrase i'm just gonna go on record publicly to say that's one christiany phrase that i'm like <laughs> take a stand i Justin. <laughs> i i'm still fine with that one like now if you want to like pray over me or love on me back away but if we want to do life together, I'm down. I actually think it is lovely because it has that sort of family feel in um, in a sense because we're all so separated from our, a lot of us are separated by distance or mm. whatever it might be from our actual families. And I think we're really made for that community piece. So, okay, so we'll say it. So the people that you're doing life with, the ins and the outs, and then to have someone come in and tell you, yeah, um, so <laughs> we're going to help you leave this and you yeah. might have been like having the rumble rumblings in your gut but it's i'm gonna compare it to this it's like that breakup where you're like i know i shouldn't still be in this thing but i wanted to get to leave i didn't want you to tell me you were mm-hmm. leaving and now it hurts <laughs> right yeah yeah, yeah i'm definitely. better than you i'm just yeah. kidding i've never had one of those breakups but i'm better than you you can't <laughs> tell me <laughs> first corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth and this podcast is just that here at the speaking in church podcast we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church it's a podcast about change it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side you can listen wherever you get your podcast and if you want to be a guest yes you regular person you can be a guest on the speaking in church podcast if you want to come on just let us know Mm. yeah so we we decided we okay i think again it was a little bit of the whole being a loyal soldier sort of thing well if this Mm. is what the church needs and it's time for us to step back and we'd always had in the back of our mind maybe we wanted to do something different and i think i'd started sort of the deconstruction process by that point um that just sort of we in australia about the same time we had what was called the same-sex marriage plebiscite and so basically we as a say the last word plebiscite i know (laughs) never heard that word yeah and i basically i'm a bit of a word nerd it means that we needed to vote on whether or not as a country we were going to allow same-sex marriage so this that's probably about 2016 wow Um, and so So i've been putting a lot of thought into you know what do i think and i'd started moving like i'd started shifting at that point in terms of what i'd believed and so that, and I'd started getting away from um, penal substitution, your atonement, those sort of yeah. things. I'd started working through all of those ideas and it, I just had started thinking, I'm not, I don't think I believe any of this stuff anymore. Not that I don't believe in God, but I just don't believe in a lot of the stuff that was just the standard Sunday stuff that we were talking about every week. And so I kind of felt like, yeah, I'm, I probably do want to start something. And I had these ideas of like, starting something for people that didn't really feel comfortable in church spaces anymore, who wanted to do more conversational stuff, less preaching. I think I was burnt out by preaching at that point. It's funny when you burn out from doing it, you burn out from hearing it. Yeah. Because you recognize like 
Mm-hmm. Like every now and then you'll you'll hear something that's creative or clever or oh that's an you know, but in general it's really hard when you get burnt out from being the the person who's speaking to yeah, it's mm. really hard. Yeah, so we we actually stayed for 9 months after we made the decision to go, which is a long time to stick around once you were going. That's uh, a whole baby. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Actually, I think we were having one at that point in time <laughs> <Perfect>. as well. <laughs> so we we stuck around. Nine months was a long time to stick. It was probably not. It was probably way too long to stick around because it gave a lot of time for a lot of stories to start floating around. Mm. Um, so they knew you we were going. Leaving. So the church knew we were going, but the reasons didn't really stick with people, and so everyone was like, "Oh, what's the real reason behind this? What's going on?" And so when we left, it really was like from a, a, a thousand to zero like we were in everything connected with people and then nothing mm-hmm. it was kind of all just gone and that you know 15 years of our life that was all that we did and so all the people all the connections and we we still have some great friends from that church and we kind of restored a bit of that and after a little while some people jumped out and started reconnecting with us but for the most part all of that is mm-hmm. just gone yeah it's hard so yeah. And you're kind of in the midst of like having kids. And so I think relationships change at that point as well. Yeah. Definitely. I don't know. I don't have kids, but I, <laughs> my friends have told me it is a very, it can be a very isolating time. Yeah. And then add in that your community is actually adjusting. It definitely, your, your, your capabilities of time disappears in that stage of life. Right. The amount of time you can spend with people just sort of disappears. So trying to build new relationships when uh, you have so little time available to you is, uh, is really hard work. So the good news was I was a very hard worker and I had six months of leave up my sleeve when we left. So I had six months of paid leave at the end of the time we left. Well, at least was... they had paid leave at your church. They did yeah. not have that for us. <laughs> yes, I think Australia might be a little different when it comes to things like that. Yes, um, thank That's God. very much a legal part of, uh, of being employed here. So, so six months we kind of gave ourselves to plan a church. And we started planting a church. We had a few meetings with people. And then one day out of the blue, I got a message from another local church. And the title just said, from a church that needs help. And so I read it and basically said, can we meet with you? We haven't had a a pastor preach in our church in about four months. And we'd love just to invite you to come and preach. And so I went and met with them. And turns out that the pastor at the church had been caught having an affair. He'd been having an affair for a few years, actually, and uh, it was a very messy uh, fallout at the church. And they said, can you just come and preach, please? And so I said, yeah, sure, I'll come. Give me a month. I'll come and preach for a month, which was great because I was beginning to run out of money at the time. So, um, so I went and preached for a month. And at the end of the month, they said, can you help us find a new pastor? Uh, we don't know what to do. And so I said, sure, um, let me help you find a new pastor. And so they employed me for three months to find a new pastor. And then three months turned into six months, and then six months turned into a full-time job. Um, oh, my gosh. And so I just sort of <laughs> assumed the position of senior pastor in a whole new church <laughs> while we were in the middle of church planting. Um, so, yeah, I kind of just fell into that. Did you yeah. have, so did you end up blending the two together? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. Um, some of the people that had started coming to the church plant, but one of the things we realized really quickly was this was quite a fundamental church, fundamentalist church. Mm-hmm. And uh, we realized pretty qu- early on it wasn't particularly a safe space for pe- for new people to come into. Mm. 
lots of opinions and thoughts and ideas. And I was kind of on my way out of that way of thinking. Right. And it probably took me six months to actually really learn what people were thinking on Sunday Simon, mornings. I'm learning something about you. You're like a slow burn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just do I just do things and then eventually it clicks <laughs> after a while. Like Justin hearing his name just kind of slowly <laughs> moves into um, you know. it. Um, all for the pause. Yeah. yeah. All for the pause. <laughs> all for the pause. And I give her a little pause. So, yeah, we were there for, for six months and then took on the, the role of senior pastor there officially. And that was really the beginning of the end for me. Because <laughs> I'd started working through my belief system and I started realizing, oh, I don't think I believe most of this stuff. But you people really do believe this stuff. Mm-hmm. And a lot more than what I do. And so I started burning out pretty significantly at that point. A lot of stuff began to happen. So I was there for three and a half years, I think. Ooh, that's a long time. It mm-hmm. was a while. And yeah, I was, I was having a lot of that internal struggle of my beliefs are shifting. And at the same time, there were some people that were very full on and a church structure that had been built on kind of a web of deception because the senior pastor before was hiding an affair. And so right. he was building mm-hmm. a leadership around him that wouldn't catch him out. And so I kind of had to unwind that as I was going. And, uh, yeah, I kind of started having panic attacks about 18 months into that job and uh, started seeing a um, counsellor at the time, and he started working on me for stress, and my stress levels were through the roof for, for about 12 months on the stress scale he was working on, I was at the highest level of stress. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I was that really... That is not good for the body. No, it wasn't. And uh, that was, yeah, coming out in all sorts of ways mm-hmm. all over the place. So after, there was one Sunday particularly, um, which was our last straw that day. The, uh, one of the guys who was on the sound desk came up to me upset that my children were too loud during a Sunday service because he couldn't <laughs> mix the sound properly with the level that my children were at. Mm. They were in a room designated for children at the time during the service. I was preaching and my wife was worship leading. So, yeah, he kind of got really mad at us, said that we weren't parenting correctly. Mm. Oh, Our kids were running all over the place and weren't disciplined enough and had a 45-minute discussion with me um, about what kind of awful parents we were. So I walked home from church that day and said, I think we can't stay here anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We had a talk about it. I went in the next day and talked to the eldership of the church and I asked for some leave, um, for mental health leave, which they were very gracious to and gave it to me. Went to see a counsellor who was, he's basically said, I'm about to put you into hospital. You're that stressed at the moment, but I'm not going to. And the reason he wasn't going to was because that was the week that COVID hit. And he's like, I'm not putting you in hospital because we don't know what's going on with hospitals at the moment. And so I went home. And then realized what was going on with COVID. So I had from Monday till Thursday off. And on Thursday, I called the administrator at the church and said, has anyone made any steps to close church down for Sunday? And he said, oh, no one's talked about anything. And I said, oh, we've got a congregation that is largely above, aged above 70. I don't know if it's wise for us to keep going with church. So I came back from stress leave four days after taking it. And, uh, oh, yeah, that seems like a good healing amount of time. Yeah. Plus, yeah. to be at the level where they want to hospitalize you, it's probably a good idea to just march back. Four in. days is fine. 
Like, yeah, and we yeah. put a video service on for Sunday. Jesus had three. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you, they put a video on? We, well, we put a video service on for Sunday. So the service Oh, that's still so happen. fast. Such a fast yeah. turnaround. Yeah. Yeah. We made the decision that week that we were leaving. But again, um, that was March and we didn't leave until September while we tied everything over. But yeah, that was it for me. Wow. <laughs> Church situations. <sighs> Well, we are going to yeah. take a quick break. And when we come back, we want to hear about what's been going good, Simon, where, what you ended up falling into, if you will, and how, how things are going now. So we'll take a quick break. Friends, uh, I don't know, go grab some water. You can tell by my cold is still here. I'm going to go grab some water, uh, maybe some tea, maybe something else, maybe a beer. Who knows? I don't know. You do you. We'll be right back. So we're back. Thanks for taking that little break with us. And... I, I did want to just call something out, though, because it seems to me that this is a job you're relatively good at, just at the nuts and bolts of. Obviously, you've been doing it for a while. And that's not what leads to burnout for, for people. Like, well, hey, when I'm good at my job, it's that like slow pressure of I'm changing and these people are go- like they're going to catch me. I mean, in, in some ways, it is similar to the stress of hiding an affair in some ways, because you're you're constantly having to do that. So I I just want to call that out that like, that's a real stressor. Like, yeah. and mm-hmm. so like, you can be looking great in ministry. And, you know, like, and, and you can honestly be pretty stress free when it comes to like the job itself. But when it comes to like, my brain and what I'm thinking, that's a huge stressor for folks. I mean, that that's what I, that's mm-hmm. what led to me leaving in some ways, because it was like, I know I'm good at this, but the stress level is so high. I'm becoming bad at this because I just can't, I can't maintain the facade that I agree with you anymore. And yeah, and then those, the the meetings and, you know, and I've, I've shared my story many times where you have those, like the like incidental inquisition meetings that are like, Hey, you, I noticed you mentioned this in your sermon. Can we talk about this NT Wright guy or, you know, Richard Rohr or whatever, you know? I heard, you know, but then the like, I mean, I had an actual like panel of people I had to sit around and defend myself to. And that, that is, that will put someone in the hospital, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's just slowly chipping away. And and it's, it's not normal job stress. Like, you know, I, I have a corporate job now where it's like, sometimes the emails pile up and that's super stressful. And I can like point that's, that's where the stress is coming from that. See, look, when it's mm. like, mm, I don't. I'm not really a fundamentalist anymore. Like, I don't feel like that's, <laughs> I don't feel like that, that, that stress is given justice. And I just wanted to like name that and be like, hmm. that's, I mean, that's half the reason why people listen to this show. I think is because they feel that tension and they feel that stress and they're headed maybe towards where you were. And they're like, I, hmm. I don't know what to do. And certain, like, I certainly think that this is just like the bare bones story. And there's hundreds of moments. Mm-hmm of extra pressure and realizations and relational stuff. But yeah, that little bit in the back of your head that always says, am I, do I believe anymore what I'm saying? But even when that mm-hmm. begins to shift by going, am I doing harm by saying it? Mm-hmm. Am I hurting people? Am I just the, being the company person now? Is that causing issue for people? And we, I had never ever used the idea or the words of, is this a safe space for people up until I started thinking like that? Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, it just wasn't a consideration. Well, because you started a community that was based on this is a space for people who don't 
feel comfortable or don't feel safe in those spaces. And then you're working in a space that at its roots isn't. And that's a that's a stressor as well because you're I think people don't realize when you bring people into a community that you really care about or you know their hurts, you know their pains, you know why maybe they've left those kind of communities to bring them in, you feel this massive responsibility. I mean, I remember at first anyone I brought to my new community <laughs> when people would say things, I'd look at them like, "Ooh, did they hear that? Ooh, I hope they didn't hear that. Like that is not you, you they're making funny faces cuz you get it, right? Like, "Oh no, that's slightly racist or whatever maybe mm-hmm. like you're just like oh i hope they didn't hear that you know there's there's all this stressor and you just sort of you end up feeling like you have to like sort of control an entire room or and and control is the wrong word but you you're sort of being present to all of it and you're experiencing all of it and and then you have to preach to that room and mm-hmm. and be okay with that and then to hear that you're not parenting well like mm-hmm. name a job that you would get called in for like the way you parented like even during zoom calls when kids are going bananas in the background. Very rarely were people going, hey, uh, you might want to check out how you're raising your children, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like it, just the permission people feel is a, that a, that's a stressor too. Yeah. And since you were in it from the time you were a, a young man becoming mm-hmm. an adult, I mean, that was norm for you. Yeah. That was normal. I think too, there was a huge part of just grief in all mm. of that. I don't think... Because I made the decision to leave that last church sort of in that loyal space of like, we're doing the right thing. I don't think I really gave myself permission to grieve the loss of that community. And I don't like using the breakup sort of situation again, it's a little bit like starting a new relationship and always wondering, is this new relationship going to be as good as the last relationship? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because for a long time, that was good. And yeah, that kind of feeling of, loss and grief and processing that all of the time but still having to turn up each week because you have people in front of you and needs in front of you and like varying needs this church i was working at at the time was a lot of older people which means there's a lot of visiting a lot of um, hospital visits and uh, retirement village and all of that sort of thing and it's just a you're just using a lot of skills that take up all of that energy all of the time yeah i was gonna ask how did your body respond yeah. Because that's one thing that we, you know, fatigue, yeah. burnout, that's not a mental thing. Mm. Yeah. I, because I was always, people, I was known as laid back. Like that was people, people's worried about, worry for me always in life was I was too laid back about things. And somewhere around here, I've become far less laid back, but also just like jittery. I was jittery all the time. Mm. And then I was having panic attacks and I didn't know what they were. At Big, big, the beginning right um, yeah you said no well four is four days definitely fixes that mm, so. yeah oh yeah, yeah. and yeah. burnout historically is quick to fix mm, yes <laughs> well the jitteriness and the panic uh, we hear that a lot mm. it's a it's a hard thing to explain if you've never been in it mm, yeah and i i had a lot of anxiety i was just worried about everything mm-hmm just second guessing decisions, all sorts of stuff all of the time. And things that had nothing to do with work, I was worried about, anxious about. Oh, interesting. You felt like it bled into like life. Oh, all the time. Even I remember um, uh, there was a point we were taking our kids into the city one day and we had this day planned out. And I just sat there in the morning have, over breakfast and I began to worry about everything that would happen through the day. And how could this go wrong? And how could this go wrong? And how could this go wrong? 
and got to a point where I just became frozen and I couldn't do it anymore. And so my wife took the kids into the city by herself that day because I I just hit a point where I'm like, this is so much, there's so much going on in my head. I can't, like, I can't see how a day that's supposed to be a relaxing, fun family day can have a positive output Mm. from it because I was so in such an anxious space at the time. I'm really sorry to hear that's absolutely difficult, you know? Mm, Yeah. So moving, you made that decision. How did you find what you're doing next and what are you doing now? Yeah, well, it took a while. Started. I did a lot of jobs. I worked as a barista for a while. I worked in a brewery for a while. Um, that does seem I to be work, a a tri- uh, yeah, like a trend standard. in our in our community, yeah. guys. The yeah, barista that. and then brewer <laughs> and then yeah. <laughs> I did some landscaping for mm-hmm. a while as well, and then my my wife is doing her masters in psychology at the moment, and she was looking at a course. It's just a, a diploma in counselling to go along with uh, her psychology masters, and I had a look at the course and I said, you know what, I think I'd like to do that. I think I could be a good counsellor. And so I went and did the diploma over a year and came out the other side with a... So our, our accreditation system's a bit different over in the States. We we don't actually need to be accredited to be counsellors here firstly yet. That's something they're working on. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I got my accreditation here and I started looking into counselling work and I, started, I just applied for hundreds of jobs and never got any callbacks for any of them. And then one day I got a callback for a job that I had no idea what it was in a place close to me. It was uh, a job that was called Men's Behavioural Change. And I just applied for it because I was applying for everything. I went to the interview not really understanding what I was applying for. And it turns out that uh, it's a job working with domestic violence perpetrators. And so I actually got the job. And now I facilitate groups of men who are looking to change their behavior because they have been violent or abusive in mm. the past. Wow. Yeah. So it's a pretty full on job, but it's great. Like it's a, like, it says it great. It's a hard job, but. It sounds like a really actually, hard job, see, but it mm-hmm. isn't. The stress is different. We see a lot of change happen in our work now. Um, You're seeing people yeah. change. We see people change week to week. We see people change at the moment, which That's is really cool. great. It's a really tough place to work in because you hear a lot of stories. You hear a lot of hard hardships. And there's always, I guess, a little fear in the back of your head of what potentially could be happening in people's homes. Um, and you know what's happening in people's homes. But also, it's actually, it's, it sound, it's a lot like pastoring in some ways because you are working towards positive change for people. I feel far better equipped to do all that stuff these days. Well, the boundaries um, are different. Mm, most definitely like you have this is when we're working on this together you cannot Mm. call me in the middle of the night yeah yes yeah you don't have my number no you can't call me you're not allowed to have my email address exactly you can't do that yeah so i I, and i really struggled with counseling at the beginning too because i had done 20 years of pastoral counseling which is not counseling no and so my uh counselor and counseling lecturers were not happy with the way that i started out so I had to unlearn a lot of stuff to to be able to do this work. Um, what do you think the main yeah, difference is? What's the main difference? The biggest challenge I found at the beginning was when someone comes to you for counselling in a pastoral situation, they want God's answer. Mm. And so they're coming to you to tell you what God says. Mm-hmm. And you need to give them a definitive 
this is what God says. Whereas in counseling, it's, um, it's person-led for the most part. So when come, someone comes to you, the understanding is that they have the answers. You've just got to help them unlock it. So being able to work through them and ask the questions and lead them to the right places. Um, Which is probably what we should be yeah. doing in the first place. <laughs> because yeah. the truth is, how do we know what God, I mean, and people will be like, the Bible. Nah. The Bible doesn't have yeah. a lot to say about a lot of our modern day things going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's an ethos. So, yeah, it's, it's good work. It's very challenging yeah. work. It's day-to-day much harder than any work I ever did pastoring, but it doesn't carry the same weight or stress or non-stop like we're calling you, we're emailing mm-hmm. you, we're messaging you, you need to be in this all of the time. And so I can leave it, at, leave it at work and come home and be much more present at home and with my family. Yeah, big change. <laughs> well, Simon, I really, really appreciate your story. I think it's one that so many people can relate to. If you could give like advice just as a wrap up, because I mean, obviously this is a very long story in that, you know, you were in it for a long time, not the the length of time that you told it, but it's a very long story (laughs) in that it was a slow process for you. Mm -hmm. But what do you think out of that was the most helpful in finding, like you found Mm -hmm. this really meaningful work? Like, what do you feel like if you could just give like one tip, it doesn't have to be the best tip, even just something that you feel like Mm -hmm. if someone's listening and they're like, yeah, I can't do it anymore. What is your tip either for staying or for going? What is there? Is there some sort of thing that you think would be helpful? I think it, it's learning to trust your body and your emotions and your feelings. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I think that I probably always deep down believed the things I believe now. I'd just been conditioned into a way of thinking because that's how everyone thought. And I think inside of myself, I was probably always working against what I really did believe, which was ultimately just to love people regardless and that everyone's just doing their best with mm-hmm. what they've got. But because I needed to be a pastor, I felt like at the past, as a pastor all the time, I was playing policeman. You're doing the right thing. You're doing the wrong thing. Can you tell the people who are doing the wrong thing to stop doing the wrong mm-hmm. thing? <laughs> and really all I want to be able to do is help people understand how to live. Isn't that interesting um, that you felt that way? And yeah. now you're like literally dealing with criminal uh, behavior and not necessarily right and not necessarily criminals but their behavior oh most of them are criminals yeah okay well i didn't want (laughs) to say it um (laughs) and then but you yet felt like more of a police officer when you were in ministry than you are now that's wild it's true though like you kind of feel like the ra for adults like Oh yeah, you know, you know, it's like, oh, should I point this out? Should I not? Am I am I on the clock at this moment? Like, yeah, and it's it is also wild that you have this on the surface very stressful job, and I'm sure it is, but it's not as stressful <laughs> as no pastoral yeah. ministry. <laughs> like, like working with you know potentially violent people is less stressful mm. on balance than pastoral ministry like that i feel like that that's important to hear people yeah like it's yeah i think it's important for me to hear because sometimes i'm like oh maybe i was i was kind of weak like no like that was that was awful and it was incredibly stressful and i think that i'm i'm proud i'm proud of you and proud of of sarah and myself and proud of anyone that that can recognize that and listen to their body and and move into a space that is Mm. it's going to be healthy for them I think that's, that's a huge undertaking when you're burnt out, especially. 
We had a nice moment this morning. My wife and I were just talking, and she said, "It's really nice that you're not as broken as you oh, wow. were oh. back then. It's really nice that you're in a better space with all of this now. It's it's there's an ease." Wow. Yeah, you um, you come off as a yeah. very eased person, a person at peace. That's what I would say. I, 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 yeah, you're a person I, I at feel peace. Feel so much more like mm-hmm. that now. Feel much more like that now. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing yeah. your awesome story. And thank you for joining us. And friends, thank you for listening in. Um, we appreciate it. Stick around for the quote or the message at the end. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you are enjoying the conversations you hear on RevCovery, you can continue the conversation with us and many more incredible people in the RevCovery room on Discord. To access our Discord, please join our Patreon to become part of the RevCovery room community. You can join for as little as $4 a month, and this helps us produce the show, as well as gives you access to the community resources. Check it out at www.patreon.com revcovery. We know that not everyone is able to financially support the show, but there are lots of ways to support us, including giving us a five-star review wherever you're listening right now. And make sure to like and subscribe across all social media. Recovery Room is our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook handle, so you can find us there to keep the conversation going. Now on to some final thoughts and this week's poem. Friends, thanks for sticking around for the end of Recovery and for listening to the poem or the quote. Um, today I have a quote that I have been thinking about a lot because I couldn't uh, help but reread a book that I love called The Lion Tracker's Guide to Life, and that's by Boyd Vardy, and it is... It's an incredible book, but in it, he talks a lot about this idea of like finding our path. And he says this, we lose ourselves in shoulds. No wild animal has ever participated in a should. As I was thinking about the conversation with Simon, I was thinking about kind of how it took him so long to move from one place to the next. And so many of us can relate to that. And many times it's because we sort of sit on a pile of shoulds. There's all these things that we think that we should do or should have said or should have been. And so we wait a while to move into our next thing. And uh, if you ever have heard uh, Boyd speak, uh, and if you've ever read The Lion Tracker's Guide to Life, it's incredible this thought about what would it look like for us to just move forward, to like get onto the track that is meant for us. And so I'm so grateful for this conversation with Simon. I'm so grateful for all the ways that it reminded me that we have skills that are unique in the world and that there are people who are willing to receive it. And we have to let go of some shoulds in order to move into what is next. So have a fantastic week, friends, and we'll see you next week. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.